The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Collectors, tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus. But the Pharisees and scribes began to complain, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So to them he addressed this parable. What man among you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, would not leave the ninety-nine in the desert and go after the lost one until he finds it? And when he does find it, he sets it on his shoulders with great joy, and upon his arrival home, he calls together his friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in just the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous people who have no need of repentance. Or what woman having ten coins and losing one, would not light a lamp and sweep the house, searching carefully until she finds it. And when she does find it, she calls together her friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found the coin that I lost. In just the same way, I tell you, there will be rejoicing among the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Then he said, a man had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. So the father divided the property between them. After a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens, who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. And he longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the swine fed, but nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat? But here am I, dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him, and filled with compassion, he ran to his son embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered his servants, quickly bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast because this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Then the celebration began. 
Now the older son had been out in the field, and on his way back, as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this might mean. The servant said to him, Your brother has returned, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. He became angry, and when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, Look, all these years I served you, and not once did I disobey your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returns, who swallowed up your property with prostitutes, for him you slaughter the fattened calf. He said to him, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice, because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of the Lord. Sheep, coins, a son or daughter, those are all valuable commodities in and of themselves. But it seems that when they're lost, their value increases, at least according to these parables in today's gospel, because in each of those three stories, there's an intense focus on being lost on the extreme grief of the one who has lost and on joyful exuberance when what was lost has been found. So we need to ask why those three stories are presented to us by Jesus and why Luke clusters them together as he did in today's gospel story. As you know, each of the gospel writers gives us a unique portrait of Jesus. And Luke, more than any of the others, is very sensitive to groups and peoples who are marginalized, people who are excluded. And he's very careful to portray Jesus as reaching out to them in a particularly compassionate way. So what was the purpose of Jesus telling those stories. As we heard from the text itself, it's because the religious leaders, representatives of the institution of Israel, mercilessly, mercilessly criticized Jesus for being merciful to the outcasts and to sinners. And so we're very clear about this they didn't distinguish as we do between someone who's morally sinful or someone who was 
outcast for other reasons, such as health, demonic possession, leprosy, those were all lumped together. Those all were marginalized because their afflictions were seen to be a punishment from God for sin, either their own or someone else's. So morally guilty people and people who did nothing wrong except get sick were all in the same category of outcast. And that's where Jesus is going. And he uses this opportunity to communicate some very significant revelations about God. And the first is this. God is grief-stricken when even one of his children is lost. And God himself goes in search of the lost child. Even before the individual may know that he or she is lost, God has already begun the search because left to ourselves, we might not seek God. But God knows he's needed. And so Jesus likens God to a shepherd who very recklessly abandons 99 sheep to go searching for one that was lost. Or a woman who turns her house upside down because she's lost one coin. Or this father in Jesus' most famous parable, the prodigal son, but it's really about a prodigal father who knows that he has to let go of his son. He wants to go out and sow his oats and experiment and see what the world is like. But in that detachment, his wounded heart has him searching and waiting day after day. You get the image of a man on the front porch of the house looking at a distance, hoping his son is still alive, wondering if he's ever going to return, what it's going to be like if he returns. And then finally, he sees him in the distance, and he abandons all protocol and propriety, and he publicly runs. He runs out to meet this son who was lost and is now found. This is all preposterous these three things, that, though, that that should have been done in that culture. But it gets even better. Once these lost are found, God throws a party, a party that is scandalous in its excess. The shepherd calls his friends and family together. The woman calls her neighbors together. The prodigal father has this feast to outdo all feasts because he tells the older brother who is resentful that he had no choice. The Greek is very strong there. He was obligated to have that celebration. It was something he couldn't contain in himself and so had to give a public expression to this joy because somebody who was dead has come back to life, and that had to be celebrated. So if those three stories are used by Jesus to reveal something about God, then from there we have to ask, 
What does that understanding of God mean for the church? How does the church, the disciples of Jesus, now reflect that image of God? So should the church not be made up of people who go in search of the lost? And should the church not be a place where the lost, for whatever reason, can find their way back to God? And just as Jesus used images for God, we have images for the church. Pope Francis likens the church to a field hospital, a place where the broken gather. It's a place for the sick and the lost and not a museum for saints. We have the image of a lighthouse, of this light in the darkness that's a beacon that guides people through their lost ways, away from danger, bringing them safely back home to the harbor of God. And we have an image of the church that, by the very design of Vatican City, if you have been there, the architecture is open arms, welcoming those who come searching. Open arms, open hearts, open doors. So therein is the image of the church, if we're going to take seriously the parables of Jesus. But I think we have to admit that sadly that isn't the experience of everyone. So that people who are lost or frightened or feeling confused or rejected don't always feel welcome in the church. And isn't it ironic that sinners and lost people felt drawn to Jesus, but they don't always feel drawn to the church? Why? Is it because we in the church sometimes get so focused on what's inside, namely ourselves, what we need, what we have to do, that we neglect those who are on the outside? Or is it because those on the outside have experienced judgment and rejection from those on the inside? Or maybe it's a little of both. For whatever reasons, the challenge that we face is to be a church of welcome and hospitality. And there's nothing like a tragedy to tear down those divisions, the walls that separate people, to remind us of that. Painfully, we recall the memory of 9-11. And we've all seen the pictures and the video clips of people running through the streets with ash on their face and terror in their eyes, frantically looking for loved ones. And it didn't matter if they were male or female, or Muslim or Catholic or Jew, old or young, all of those divisions crumbled. All we had here were people in situations of desperation and pain. That's all that mattered. People who needed love, 
Tragedy has a way of reminding us of that. I've always been so happy that our community at St. Joan of Arc has been characterized as a hospitable community. The people do feel welcome here. And I'm sure it's because we act with mercy and compassion instead of judgment and fear. And maybe it's also because each one of us knows that we're all sinners, that we've all been lost at some point in our lives, we've all been searching, we've all felt abandoned, but that each one of us has been equally forgiven by God, not because we deserved it, not because we merited it, but simply because it's God's nature to do that. And the equality of that mercy is what should unite and characterize all people. And when we can recognize that, there's a great relief for us. Because now we don't have to play the judge who decides who's in and who's out. Instead, we can focus on being like that reckless shepherd who searches desperately for someone who is lost. Or like that wild woman who's sweeping up the whole house to find one coin. Or like that longing father who runs like a fool in public to go out and meet his son who once was dead and who has now come back to life, who was once lost and now has been found. 